Blog Talk Radio. appreciate everybody joining us on this beautiful Thursday night. It's a beautiful night, at least here in uh, beautiful Elkton, Maryland. And uh, Mike Carter is live from Virginia, at least we hope he is. Mike? Yeah, yeah, we're here. You are there. For now. For now, yes. For now, we're here. The good good thing is in better shape. Absolutely. Listen, the, the, the air out in Shenandoah, it's beautiful, and it's great, and it's fair season out there. They're getting ready to start the paramutual meet uh, next weekend. However, the Internet connection, Mike, is not all that good because, quite frankly, it's in God's country. It's in the beautiful mountains, isn't it? Yeah, it's in the mountains. I think Hillary's been here because uh, the Internet connection's been deleted. So, uh, you know, listen, we've got a fantastic show on tap for you today. Ken Middleton's about to join us. Uh, He's the track announcer at Woodbine and Mohawk, and he's going to talk a little bit about the big card coming up on Saturday. And it is a big card featured uh, the Canadian pacing derby, but a a whole uh, lot of great races coming up on Saturday. We're going to talk to Ken in just a few minutes. Also, Rick Kane is going to talk to us about Rockingham Park. Rick had a chance to be the race secretary there, and uh, Rockingham is closed. Closed after 100 and oh gosh, about 115 years in existence. Closed the doors yesterday, so we'll talk to uh, we'll talk to Rick Kane about that. He was the race secretary there for a little bit. Also, Jackie and Grassi. I can't wait for this interview, Mike. Jackie and Grassi, one of the great drivers, great woman drivers in 2014. She's only the second woman to reach the 1,000 win plateau as far as drivers are concerned. We're going to talk to her a little bit towards the bottom of the hour. Plus, Garnett Barnsdale will talk to us as well. Uh, Garnett is a DRF contributor, and he's going to break down the Saturday program. And we're also going to have a running aces segment with track announcer Darren Gagne. And uh, he had a chance to sit down with race secretary Nancy Burge and talk to her. They've got sire stakes races coming up on Saturday as well. So we'll talk to 
uh, Darren Gagne about that as uh, closing weekends coming up at uh, the Minnesota Oval. So we have lots going on. We're going to take a quick timeout. When we come back, it's Ken Middleton on the other side of the break. You've got post time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. Get a huge boost to your bankroll for all of summer's best racing at Bet America. All new players can double their first deposit up to $300 with Bet America's 100% deposit bonus. That's the biggest sign up bonus in the industry. Sign up today and start playing the Bet America way. The New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program places retired racehorses into approved monitored homes and transitions them into second careers. New Vocations has placed over 350 retired standard breads the past three years. They are now accepting horses from all racetracks in the United States. New Vocations has facilities in Ohio, Kentucky, and Pennsylvania and is expanding to New York. To learn more, visit newvocations.org and on Facebook at New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program. Embroidery Unlimited is a premier provider of quality embroidery, screen printing, and promotional products. Our commitment to quality and pride in our work is second to none. We focus on quality and customer service. For all of your stable or business needs, Embroidery Unlimited is the number one provider in harness racing. Give Jim Winsky a call at 508-485-5522. That's 508-485-5522. Or visit them on the internet at embroideryunl.com. That's embroideryunl.com. Embroidery Unlimited. Back on post time with Mike and Mike, presented by our good friends of Bet America. Mike Bozich alongside of Mike Carter. Right now, we're joined by the Mohawk track announcer, Ken Middleton. Ken, how are you, my friend? Hey, I'm good. How about you guys? I'm fantastic. Listen, I know you've got a race card tonight. Are you? Are we brushing up against your open? Are we what? No, we no, we're good. We, we're 25 minutes away from the first. We're good. Okay. You're, you're, okay, that's fantastic. Well, listen, Ken, we've got a great card coming up on Saturday. Obviously, a huge card. Betting lines in action. You've got the big Canadian Pacing Derby. Uh, in, a, in a nutshell, uh, tell us what, uh, what it's going to be like coming up this weekend up at beautiful Mohawk. Well, uh, you know, it's, it's like any other big card out there. You know, we've got the best trainers, drivers, and, you know, an assortment of the best horses. That's what I like as a fan. You know, it's, it's not just the one race. It's you get a little taste of that and a little taste of this, the two-year-old Colts in the Metro and the two-year-old Phillies and the she's a great lady, but then you get the iron horses and the Canadian pacing derby. So it's like going to a, a night of boxing. You get the heavyweights, the lightweights, the welterweights, you get everything, right? Oh, absolutely. And you've got uh, Ontario Sire Stakes action. Mike, I know we're going to have to cue you in, buddy, because you're out in, uh, he's out in Virginia, uh, Ken. And uh, so he has, Absolutely. Very limited uh, internet access and everything. So I'm going to have to cue Mike in uh, kind of when it's his turn. So, Mike, go ahead, buddy. Well, Ken, Ken I got lucky enough to see Betting Lion out here, or I say out here, not in Virginia, but at Northfield Park, uh, where he was just absolutely unstoppable. Uh, for those who haven't seen uh, his races in Canada, um, as far as the Sire Stakes goes, talk to us a little bit about what you think about Betting Lion. Yeah, he's. Uh... 
he's an exciting horse, not not just this year, but in the grand scheme of things. When you think about all the great horses and stuff like that, he's quickly building up his greatness. Uh, the way he demolished those horses at Pocono in his latest uh that was that was unbelievable. Like he, he got stung hard to make the front, and he kept rolling. And he had a pretty good horse chasing in the two hole in Racing Hill, and uh, even controlled the moment the Meadowlands pace winner, you know. And he, and he just left them in his dust, and he he was just awesome. So reports are he's trained really good this week. He had a week off after the Pocono race, so yeah, you know what he he should have a strong end of the year because they've they've managed him very well. Yeah, and all systems go, obviously, to the Little Brown Jug coming up in a few short weeks. But uh, first things first, Ken, in uh, race three on Saturday night, he's in up against a, a field of six other competitors in Ohio and Ontario. Sire Stakes action, uh, the gold for a purse of $105,000. Now, I don't know if you've got the race in front of you or, or you have to, if you have to go by memory, but is there anybody in this race that could step up and possibly upset, in your opinion? Uh can't really see it. He, he's going to have to beat himself. Betting line's going to have to have a bad day, and you know some of these other horses are going to have to have real good days to beat him. It's it's just uh, it's a man racing against boys, really. Mike Carter, go ahead. Now, Ken, uh, talk to us a little bit about the Metro. Uh, obviously, the Metro has produced some fantastic horses, and the one that comes out to memory is Rocky Roll Hanover, who won the Metro Stakes at insurmountable odds, and then he went on to do some fantastic things. Are there any horses that kind of jump off the page in the Metro? Um, there's a lot of good horses. Uh, I think the final is maybe going to be the barometer of the greatness. Uh, you know, we saw two Colts slug it out last week in a, in a wicked time of 50 and change. Uh, getting back to Casey Coleman, her horse just got beat at the wire. Ideal Will did all the work, and he paced in 150 and one. And the one that beat him, Ocean Colony, you know, he had a, he had a good trip, tipped out late and, and caught him at the line. So I think they're the two real big, big headliners in there. Uh, I'd give the slight edge to Ideal Wheel. Even though he got beat last week, he's the horse that did all the work, and I just think he comes into the race, uh, you know, in, in fighting form. Yeah, and backtracking a little bit, uh, Ken, the fourth race is the She's a Great Lady final. Obviously, you've got some great horses there. Idyllic Beach has uh, just been uh, on fire. She's won four of five. Agent Q uh, had it just taken away in the final steps last time after a brushing move up the backside. Your thoughts on that one? Yeah, it's, it's all about who's coming in in, in peak form. You talked about uh, Idyllic Beach. Uh, she certainly is. Jimmy Tactor's got another great filly here. She's only been beaten once, and, uh, you know, she's had four wins already. Looked good last week, 54-3. Uh, and three. They couldn't have asked any more from her. So, yeah, she's coming in uh, the horse to beat, but there are some horses in there that certainly can beat her, and I think Casey Coleman's got one in there in Candlelight Dinner. She got beat for the first time last week, threw in a bit of a stinker, but she's had some... Uh, issues in the last couple of weeks and hopefully they've been able to rectify them i heard she trained great this week so david miller's jumped off i think matt kakele's picked up a live catch driving her she'd be by my upset play michael go for it brother all right canadian pacing derby race number 10 and obviously ken yeah. this is the the big race and uh you know listen there's been a lot of hype obviously there was a lot of hype that this was one of the toughest uh, aged pacing group of, of of just classic classy horses in such a long time, and I think they've lived up to the expectations. I mean, Wiggle It, Jiggle It, Shambhala, always be Mickey. Frankie Feet Pete was uh, in there with them for most of the year, and here they go. They clash again. Canadian Pacing Derby final. You've got Wiggle It, Jiggle It from post one, Shambhala from post four, and uh, you've got always be Mickey in post eight. Uh, does, is it any deeper than this to- than that top three? 
they, they're the obvious three. Uh, would I be shocked to see any one of those three not win the race? I, I think I would be shocked. Uh, they're just, you know, they're, they're the premium horses in the division. You know, State Treasurer hasn't been the same horse this year. I know he's won back-to-back preferreds locally. And you know what? Maybe he will come up. It's going to take his best race to beat them, though. But he would be the only one I could see out of the rest of them you know, having any chance of maybe pulling off the upset. All that's off. He's been a funny horse, too. One of these weeks he's going to trip out and, you know, pick up a big win, but I think it's still safe to say I'd be shocked if he beat them here on Saturday. All right. Well, Ken, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us as always. Mike, do you have anything else? Yeah, I was going to ask real quick, Ken. You know, all that's off kind of, you know, he, he kind of is a funny horse, like you said. He likes to kind of just kind of jump in there, you know, and hit the board uh, every so often. But, you know, you hear talk every time that these horses face each other, you know, are we going to get a world record? Are we going to get a world record? What kind of time do you see them, uh, do you see them uh, eclipsing uh, this weekend at Mohawk? Um. The forecast is supposed to be beautiful and stuff like that, but it is the 10th race, so it's going to cool off a little bit and stuff like that. Um, a lot of it depends on wind and, obviously, early pace in the race. Wiggle it, jiggle it, I think, from the rail. He's going to make it interesting because he's got to push out of there from the inside. T doesn't want to put himself in a compromising spot. So I think it's going to maybe depend what David Miller does early in the mile with uh, Always Be Mickey because he's the horse that... Uh, I think he's got to push out of there, too, somewhat. Shambhala's going to race his race. He's, he's a covered tr- horse. Uh, he likes to come off cover. State Treasure's kind of one of those horses, too. So I think a lot of it depends on what David Miller does with Always Be Mickey. So we're probably looking at a race in the 47 or 48 range, realistically. Now, Ken, you've called a lot of big races. Uh, do, you, do you get up for these big races anymore, or do you just kind of keep an even keel? Oh, no, you always get excited for big races like this, uh, whether I'm sitting here at Mohawk watching them from Mohawk or watching them from Northfield or watching them from Pocono. You know, we're all fans of the game, and we all follow these these premium horses week in and week out. And, you know, when they're here in your own backyard, it's, uh, yeah, no, you, you really get the juices flowing. You get you get charged up, and you can't wait for the races to get going. Hey, Ken, all right, well, Ken, listen. Real quick. Uh, Go ahead, Mike. I wanted to tell you, Ken, real quick. I put your program in the mail before I left from vacation, so you're good to go I, to that. I got them. Thanks. They came in the mail today. I was going to send that's on my to-do list. I'm going to check that off. I'm going to thank you uh, worldwide right here on the show. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. They're <laughs> yeah. for some scrapbooks yeah. for, for someone. Thanks. I appreciate it, it so much. It, 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 it's, it's funny because Ayers called me that night and asked me, he goes, where, where can we find a program? And I, I said, you know what, I'll put it in your box. So, uh, you know, we appreciate, uh, we appreciate you guys paying attention and uh, watching us. Oh, for sure. Yeah, he didn't Absolutely. send you the bill yet, so much. Ken. What's that? <laughs> he didn't send you the bill yet, did he? No, no, I think it, it's in the mail. Yeah, it's in the mail too. Right, it's in buddy. a different envelope. Uh, and yeah. I'll lose that really... one, I think. <laughs> Ken, we really appreciate it, uh, and uh, look forward to hearing your calls on Saturday, my friend. Excellent. Enjoy the card. It's going to be a great one. All right, thank you, buddy. Okay, take care, guys. All right, Ken, get to work. Get to work. He's 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 he's, yeah, he's mere minutes to, to post. And I'll tell you what, though, Ken is always generous generous with his time and uh, always spends it with us. This is the second time I think we've had him on the show where he's been buttoned right up against post time. So we certainly appreciate Ken and uh, and his willingness to uh, hop on board and talk about uh, the big races. Boy, what a card that is coming up Saturday! And you know they got a big card coming up uh, at Yonkers too, Mike. Yeah, no, Yonkers has got a big card. Mohawk's got a big card. And, Mike, uh, we didn't really get to talk about this at the beginning of the show, but uh, we actually had a big horse race here today. 
in in the blink of an eye and uh, in the blink of an eye only went one heat but uh raced fantastic for trainer driver Tara Hines and you know it was just it was really really nice to have a special horse like that race over this Shenandoah County Oval yeah, it certainly is. And, uh, Mike, I'll tell you what, we've got a couple of minutes now. Rick Kane's going to join us here in just a moment, and we're going to talk about Rockingham Park a little bit. But uh, while we have a minute, why don't you give us your impression on uh, how that racetrack, that brand-new racetrack, looks at Shenandoah? Listen, the track is fantastic. Uh, they, the Trotters set a record or a track record today, and i got to tell you, Mike, it's a record that has not been under two minutes, and they went two minutes flat today for the very first time in Shenandoah, down, or Shenandoah County history. And, uh, you know, the track's been playing fair. Um, you know, they, they've been kind of taking their time with it and really working it out well. And, Mike, i got to tell you, it has been a fantastic – it's been an honor to be able to call the races here uh, this week. Like I said, in the blink of an eye, I came here. Uh, what I thought was going to be a track record performance, Mike, in the blink of an eye, went 159-2. and two. So it's a little bit so- slower of a track. We did get some rain last night, so that kind of contributed to it a little bit. But i got to tell you, it's been a fantastic, uh, fantastic time here at Shenandoah. All right. We'll talk a little bit about that later on, Mike. Uh, we're going to take a timeout when we come back. It's the race secretary at Pocono Downs. Rick Kane. We're going to talk a little bit about Rockingham Park, which closed its door yesterday after uh, about 110 years in business. So we'll talk to Rick Kane on the other side of the break. You've got post time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. Embroidery Unlimited is a premier provider of quality embroidery, screen printing, and promotional products. Our commitment to quality and pride in our work is second to none. We focus on quality and customer service. For all of your stable or business needs, Embroidery Unlimited is the number one provider in harness racing. Give Jim Winsky a call at 508-485-5522. That's 508-485-5522. Or visit them on the internet at EmbroideryUNL.com. That's EmbroideryUNL.com. Embroidery Unlimited. Here at The Stable, our mission is to provide fair market for owners of yearlings while giving investors the most informative way to purchase all of or part of a horse. The Stable will cater to all budgets by having an open fractional buying market and a flat rate billing system. At The Stable, we aim to minimize the risk in buying and maximize the benefit of selling. Visit thestable.ca or give Anthony McDonald a call at 519-400-4263. That's 519-400-4263. It's thestable.ca. Time with Mike and Mike resumes. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich. Actually, I'm Mike Bozich. He's Mike Carter over there somewhere in Virginia, <laughs> live from the Shenandoah County Fair. Well, I hear you, Mike. Listen, every once in a while, make sure you breathe so I know, so I know you're with me because I know you're yeah, you know, all the connection. You don't have to give me virtual CPR. It's very incredible up there. All right, let's bring in uh, the race secretary at uh, Pocono, Rick Kane. Rick, how are you? Fine, thank you, Mike. How are you doing? 
Good. And uh, listen, I was hoping we'd uh, speak on a little bit better terms because uh, Rockingham Park, a race strength that you had a chance to be the race secretary at for a little bit, uh, closed its doors yesterday after, uh, gosh, uh, I was reading the history of it, probably about 110, 115 years in existence. And as a matter of fact, uh, gentlemen, I work with the race secretary at Harris, Philadelphia, Joe Osier. Uh, had a chance to go down there because he was there for a long time as well. But, uh, Rick, you had a chance to be at Rockingham Park. We're going to share some memories from Rockingham. Uh, tell us a little bit about it and a little bit about your time there. Well, my, my history with Rockingham goes well before I even started working there in 1977. My family, uh, my brother and father, raced up there, and uh, they did have, you know, have some pretty good success up there. And I, I followed the races up there for a long time, um, you know, like in the spring meet, at the end of the spring meet, they would always have a uh, excuse me, a $25,000 invitational pace for three-year-olds. And you always saw the best that the sport had to offer. I mean, I remember seeing Albatross race there, uh, Silent Majority, Keystone Ore. Uh, my first year that I worked there for the uh, Romeo Hiller pace, we had Governor Skipper. So you always saw the very best there. Uh, when you um, talk about Rockingham, there's no other way to explain it, but just it was just a classy old place. They had the aura of a racetrack. When you walked into Rockingham, you knew you were at a racetrack because it oozed class. Now, Rick, talk to us a little bit about, you know, I, we've, we've got a little bit about, you know, down memory lane, but name, and I know you've named a few already, but what was one horse that kind of maybe stuck out as having one of the most impressive performances there? Well, I would say one of the ones I did mention was Albatross. Uh, he was pretty much on the mile, on the outside the whole mile, and I believe that was probably his first start as a three-year-old, and uh, and he went a hell of a mile for that. And that race was also the uh, New England's favorite mountain skipper, who was a three-year-old the same year. And there was also a Tarport skipper, Del Miller, had him in there, but that was a very very tough race. Visiting live with Rick Kane, the race secretary at the Downs at Mohegan Sun Pocono. Rick, we'll talk a little bit about yourself, uh, or we will talk uh, about yourself and in, in your career. I know you've uh, had a long career in the sport and have been to a lot of different racetracks. Uh, talking a little bit about Rockingham Park right now. Uh, Rockingham was in existence there, Rick, for a long, long time. Obviously, uh, over uh, 100 years, a century-old racetrack uh, that uh, was in the New England area, a mile track at that, a track that uh, hosted both uh, Thoroughbred and Harness. And it was talking a little bit to Joe Osher today, uh, and Joe was telling me about uh, the family atmosphere at that uh, particular racetrack. A lot of the people have been there for such a long time, uh, have worked there, a lot of them, for their whole lives. Uh, during your period there, uh, can you talk to us a little bit about maybe some of the people that uh, our public might know that you ran across or just some of the people that may stick out in your head that uh, you know have been there for a long time? Oh, absolutely. There there was many families that you can look back on, like the Beckwiths, Melvin and his sons, Bert, Willard, and John. Um, uh, let's see, uh, Leroy Copeland, he had a big stable. Uh, he yep. comes from a racing family. He he mm-hmm. originally was from Michigan, I believe, but he, for many years he called Rockingham home. The barn area there was immense. I mean, they had three areas. 
and they're all separately uh, from from the track kitchen. And the track kitchen was a place that even the public would come in. It was packed every day. All the families were there. Um, the public got to meet the families, and that's why it grew and it sustained itself for such a long time. Mike? Good. All right. Listen, Rick, uh, we've talked a little bit about Rockingham. As a matter of fact, next week on the program, we're going to talk to John uh, Vitale, who uh, was, oh. has been there for a long time. Yeah, was the track announcer there, was a uh, man of war, many hats. And uh, so we're going to talk to him a little bit uh, next week, a little bit further about uh, Rockingham. But let's jump off Rockingham while we have a few minutes, Rick, and uh, let's talk about uh, your career personally, some of the racetracks you've been to. Well, my first racetrack that I worked at was Hinsdale Raceway, the most southwestern part of New Hampshire you can get. Um, my family, originally from northeastern Pennsylvania, and uh, in the 66, uh, my brother was invited to race up there at Hinsdale, and that first summer he broke the track record for most wins. Um, and uh, when I got into the business and started working in the racing office, Hinsdale was the first place. Rockingham was the second place that I worked at, uh, 77 to 79. And from there, I went to Monticello Raceway. I worked one summer at Pocono as an assistant in 1977. And I also worked, um, well, you can actually say I worked everywhere from uh, Bangor, Maine to Pompano Beach, Florida, to Pompano Park. Uh, I worked at Brandywine, uh, Ocean Downs. Um, I'm trying to remember. Oh, Foxborough. Foxborough had many names through the years. Yep. I think I worked at just about every one of them. There was like uh, Foxborough Raceway, Bay State Raceway, Foxborough Park, New England Raceway. And I, I also worked up in Maine, uh, as I said, uh, Bangor and also Scarborough. And, and um, Maine's a great place for harness racing in itself. Yeah, it certainly is. And, uh, you know, uh, if you look back, uh, unfortunately, uh, on that list that you just mentioned, uh, there's a few racetracks that aren't with us no longer, and we just lost another one in uh, Rockingham Park. Well, Rick, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us. Real quick before we let you go, you're currently the race secretary at the Downs at Mohegan Sun Pocono. I've had a chance to fill in there a couple times this year. Always great racing. You've had some great races, big races uh, so far this year. And, uh, well, I, I wouldn't say that we're getting ready to – Close down our meets. I mean, it is already September, but uh, certainly we're kind of winding down, huh, Rick? We go. Uh, we're going just a couple more extra days this year than we normally do. Uh, usually, we, we stop racing the Saturday before Thanksgiving, but this season, we're racing the Tuesday and the Saturday of the week of Thanksgiving. So it's a little bit different, but um, it's it's getting close to the end, and I'm ready for a little break. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, Rick, we certainly appreciate you joining. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, my friend, and uh, keep up the great work over there, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you very much. All right. That was Rick Kane, the race secretary at the, the Downs in Mohegan Sun Pocono, sharing some Rockingham Park memories with us. And, uh, you know, Mike, here we go again. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it seems like it's it, it, losing tracks is tough. I mean, there's no question about it. I mean, anytime you lose a racetrack, it's it's tough. And here we got another one that, you know, had a long, long uh, tradition of over 100 years uh, of, uh, you know, existence. And uh, just, uh, unfortunately, the chips didn't fall where they wanted them to with expanded gaming. And, uh, you know, listen, I mean, it's it's a lot of, uh, a lot of people are going to be displaced, Mike. No, completely. And, you know, we all know uh, that expanded gaming, 
you know, with help, you know, is, is a big help, but you know, it's a it's a lot more than just that. And uh, you know, um, and we won't talk about the decoupling situation in Florida uh, a whole lot, but our boys in Florida are you know finding that out. And so, you know, it, it's a matter of being able to uh, you know keep yourself on your feet you know, with or without the expanded gaming. And it's unfortunate that uh, we're losing another racetrack. It seems like it uh, wasn't that long ago, Mike. We just bought Hollywood Park. And uh, right. for those of you who've been around harness racing a long time, you know Hollywood Park had harness racing uh, there for a while as well. Yeah, we got a real short break to take, Mike, when we come back. It's uh, Jackie and Gracia going to join us on the program. You've got Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a disqualification. It doesn't get much worse than picking a winner that ends up being disqualified after the race. What if you could eliminate the stress of sweating out a steward's inquiry? At BetAmerica, we're here to help. Introducing Inquiry Relief. Any winners of a graded stakes race will get paid out even if they are disqualified after a steward's inquiry. Check BetAmerica.com for details and side effects. Get the relief you deserve with Inquiry Relief only at BetAmerica.com. This is your Maryland Minute. The Maryland Minute is brought to you by Friends of Maryland Standard Breads. Check out Horses Healing Maryland's Military Riding Showcase, a Horseland special event on Friday, September 2nd in the Horse Show Ring at the Maryland State Fair. The HHMM, which is a new coalition of licensed Maryland stables offering therapeutic programs to veterans and their families, Military Riding Showcase will feature a military tribute, the U.S. Army Caisson Platoon, 3D Infantry Regiment with an Old Guard History Presentation, the Maryland National Capitol Park Police Mounted Unit, the Freedom Hills Therapeutic Riding Program, Veterans Drill Team, Star Equestrian Center Veterans Drill Team, and much, much more. For more information, visit www.MarylandStateFair.com. Back on post time with Mike and Mike. Mike Bozich along with Mike Carter. Mike in beautiful Virginia right now, fresh off of calling some fair races at Shenandoah, uh, the brand-new racetrack there. And, uh, Mike, I'll have a chance to be there on Saturday. And, of course, next weekend is the uh, grand opening of the Paramutual meet. And, uh, Mike, real quick before we get into uh, Jackie and Grassi is waiting patiently on hold. They have to be looking forward to the, to the uh, start of the Paramutual uh, season out there, Mike. Yeah, they are. They are very excited about it, and Mike, the uh, I, I, the the town has really, really embraced the fact that harness racing is coming to town, and uh, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. But Mike, uh, you know, it, it's just it's going to be so much fun just to see them do everything that they're going to do, and they're they're going to do some great promotions, and they've got a lot of you know food truck festivals and hops beer festivals, and uh, you know, it, it makes for a good time. But Mike, Mike, real quick, if you've got a quick second, I know Jack is waiting very patiently. We actually got an email from Ben America today, and I don't know if you see, saw it or not, but they wanted us to give away a um, a $35 seat into the mega uh, into the $5,000 handicapping contest on Mohawk on Saturday. So, Mike, I've got a wow. good trivia question for our Twitter followers. Okay. And uh, you know, it involves Shenandoah. You know what? We're, we're going to involve Shenandoah a little bit. Uh, the question is. 
um, the track record here that in the blink of an eye was going at was set in, uh, was set a long time ago. Tell us what the track record is, what year it was set, and who set it, and you'll win a $35 entry into the Mega Cedar Contest tomorrow night for uh, Bet America. Okay, you better go. Okay, say that one more time. So ask the question one more time real quick again. Okay. At the Shenandoah County Fair, they have a mm-hmm. the pacing record was set a long, long time ago. Tell yep. us when it was set, who set it, and what the record is. Okay. And you'll, win well, free, uh, you'll win a free entry into the $35 mega feeder uh, tomorrow night. All right, so put it on our Twitter page, PT Mike and Mike wanted Twitter. Uh, and, uh, you know, put it on there. Actually, you can even put it on our Facebook page, too. Whoever's uh, going to be the first to answer, Facebook or Twitter, uh, you know, put it on there, and uh, you're going to win that fantastic prize courtesy of our good friends at Bet America. Right now we're joined by uh, a person that I just could not wait to interview, Jackie Ingrassi, joining us on the program. Hello, Jackie. Hi, how are you? We're doing fantastic. We certainly appreciate you taking time to uh, join us. And, uh, you know, this is kind of one of those interviews that I was looking forward to because, uh, you know, you're somebody that that's out there and it just seems like they're getting it done, some good, solid horses uh, throughout the years. Jackie, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got started in the industry, and, uh, you know, kind of who's responsible for getting you involved in the sport of harness racing. Well, uh, I always had uh, saddle horses when I was younger, and I happened to live, this is in England, and I happened to live near somebody who did own and train standard birds, which was pretty unusual because uh, they're not that popular over there. So anyway, I lived near him, and um, this is when I was about 12 or 13, and uh, this particular farmer asked me to exercise these horses under saddle uh, and get them ready for the races. So that's that's basically how I got involved at a young age in England. Now, Jackie, talk to us a little bit about uh, so, some of the you know bigger horses that you've had, some horses that you've been most impressed with in uh, your career. Well, uh, we've we've had a lot of um, you know nice horses, no no world beaters, but nice horses because we we really haven't had a whole lot of money to spend on horses, especially for the ones we buy ourselves. But you know, I I have to say, Goldfish um, rates right up there. Uh, he won the Yonkers Trot and he made over half a million. We only paid thirteen thousand for him, and uh, the other one would be Zeta Mira, who currently is a broodmare. And uh, we paid 6000 for her, and uh, she made us over half a million. So, you know, they're the two that stick out mainly in my mind, although we've had several, you know, low-priced claimers that, that kept us in business over the years. Now, Jackie, you've primarily uh, driven your horses throughout the years, uh, and obviously, uh, you know, making no bones about it, uh, you know, you're you're a woman kind of getting around in a man's sport, and uh, you were recognized for that in 2014, uh, only the second woman to get up to the 1,000-win plateau, the other being uh, B. Farber. Talk a little bit about uh, what it was like to be a woman in such a male-dominated sport. Well, I always think it's very interesting because when I started out, uh, when I came to this country when I was 23 years old, uh, I was a young girl competing against men, uh, which was quite a novelty. And now I find myself an old woman competing against the boys, which is also a a novelty, I think. Um, In the early days, it it was very difficult um, for me. For instance, I went to Foxborough to race up in Foxborough. 
And the presiding judge, uh, I had a P license at the time. This was in 72, I believe. And the presiding judge uh, told me, you're not getting licensed. I'm not having any women drive at my racetrack. That right, flat out. That was it. So, wow. of course, I put up a fight. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it seems hard to believe in this day and age, but it was true. So I put up a bit of a fight, and um, of course, they had to let me drive. But I only drove a couple of times because my husband said, you know, if you do anything wrong, you're going to get crucified. So, but, that, you know, that was one thing that sticks in my mind. But uh, I've paid my dues over the, over the years. But I think, you know, right now, it's, an, it's a non-issue as far as I'm concerned. And then, you know, you mentioned uh, drive it against the boys now. And, of course, we're talking about, uh, you know, pretty much the best in the business. I mean, you're out there on a daily yeah. basis with guys like Tim Tietrich, Yannick Shingron, David yeah. Miller, Brett Miller, Corey Callahan. Yeah. I mean, all, all the, the great drivers out there. Talk to us a little bit about what it's like driving against them. I mean, is it, you know, since you've driven against them so much, is it a situation where you kind of know what their tendencies are and, and kind of try to exploit that the best you can? Well, uh, yes, in a way, but uh, believe it or not, to me, it's much easier to drive against good professionals. They're they're very predictable, they're safe, and and I would much prefer to drive against good professionals than than uh, the not so good professionals or amateurs. I, to me, it, it's a no brainer. And um, I, it, if I have the horsepower, I can win. You know, it's as simple as that. You're only as good as the horse that you're sitting behind. As Hervé used to say, I can't pick him up and carry him, but, you know, I can get him to the wire. So, so you know, to, to me, I'm, I'm pretty confident, it, you know, if I have the horsepower, that, that I can get the job done. But, you know, obviously, I don't always have the horsepower, but sometimes it works out. And to talk about uh, your husband, Frank, of course, who trains a lot of these horses. How long have you guys been married now? We were married in 1975. Uh, so that's what 41 years we were married uh, this year, and that's 24/7. Um, you know, yeah. we, we we're rarely apart, if ever. And but it works for us. It really works for us. We you know we're on the same wavelength. We absolutely love our jobs. Uh, there's nothing else we'd like to do other than this. My husband's now 83 years old, and he goes to the barn every day. He trains every day, and it keeps him young. I do believe. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's something that you just have to keep doing. And once, you know, harness racing gets in your blood, I mean, it's, you know, it's something that keeps going and going. Jackie, talk about some of the horses uh, that you guys have uh, in training now. I've uh, had a chance to call a lot of your horses at Harris, Philadelphia, uh, a lot of good solid trotters. Uh, you just saw a horse by the name yeah. of McGuffin yesterday in the Stallion yeah. Series make a really nice stretch rush up the inside uh, to yeah. finish a good yeah. closing second. Talk about some of the horses you've got going today. Well, uh, we've, we haven't had a pacer in our barn for, I would have to say, maybe over 20 years. We strictly um, train trotters. That's by choice. We like trotters. I know they're more challenging, but uh, I think they're more rewarding also. Uh, we like the young horses. We started out with five babies this year. Four of them are currently racing, and, and I think they're going to be productive. I think they're nice nice babies. The one you talked about yesterday, McGovern, um, Russell Williams from Hanover Shoe Farms owns him, and he's a terrific owner. And um, actually, we raced the Colts' mother too down in the Maryland Sire Stakes, so it's a family deal. But um, every year we try and get two or three babies going, and uh, it, it seems to have worked out for us. Last year we we bought um, Turn the Page, and she's turning out to be quite a nice mare. She's just won her last two starts at Chester. 
Yeah. Um, and, you know, just uh, before we let you go, a little bit of a funny story. Uh, Zanky, we uh, when we we put the the show together uh, probably about four or five days out, and uh, one of the people that we wanted to have on the show was uh, a lady by the name of Karen Faglarion. I'm sure you know her. <laughs> she's she's one of my best friends. One of my oh, best yes. friends. Yeah, she's great, yes, and uh, you know she. And she had something come up, uh, but I thought it would be kind of cool to have both of you on the show and uh, on, on the same day. But she had something come up. Hopefully, we're, we'll get her scheduled back for next week. Of course, for those of you that don't know Karen, she's a, a race secretary at Freehold, has been at Freehold Raceway for uh, a very long time. Well, Jackie, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us. Uh, it's been uh, a great 10 minutes. And uh, listen, well, uh, good luck for the, the, rest of, uh, the rest of the year. I know you got some uh, pretty good trotters that we just talked about. And uh, you and Frank keep going strong. It's a pleasure to see you guys out there. <laughs> That's very nice of you. Thanks very much. All right. That was uh, Jackie Ingracia, uh, longtime driver around uh, these parts, Mike. And, uh, you know, uh, it, it, it's good talking to her because, uh, listen, I mean, she's uh, approaching 70 years old. Her, her husband's 83 and 82, and they just – Mike, they're still doing it. I mean, you, you should see Frank. He's out there like a young pup, and Jackie's out there, uh, you know, a lot of times taking uh, guys like Dave Miller and Brett Miller and Tim Dietrich to task. Well, like you know, it's it's hard because we don't have a ton of young you know young blood, so it's always fun to watch the older guys uh, go at it with the young guns and uh, see them be able to hold their own. Yeah, certainly, uh, it's it's great to see her out there uh, racing uh, a lot with, especially with the trotters. And like she said, she hasn't had a pacer in her barn in uh, in quite a long time. We're going to take a time out, and uh, when we come back, uh, Garnet Barnsdale is going to join us. We're going to do a dissect this Saturday program in Mohawk. We talked to Ken Middleton earlier on in the program, and uh, it's a great, great card coming up on Saturday. Plus, we got a lot of great races coming up on Saturday at Yonkers that we'll take a look at. Plus, we have our running aces segment still yet to come. Uh, and uh, our good friend Darren Gandhi up there. Their meet's getting ready to come to a close, Mike. They've got Minnesota Sire Stakes, and Darren Gandhi had a chance to sit down with the race secretary there. Uh, for Somebody else from Michigan, too, Nancy Burge. He had Julie DeMaul on last week. I had a chance to work with Julie at Michigan, and Nancy Burge uh, is the race secretary up at Running Aces. She's from Michigan as well, and they had a chance to sit down and dissect the Minnesota Sire Stakes coming up this weekend. So we'll have that for you and much more coming up on the other side of the break. You've got Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. Here at the stable, our mission is to provide fair market for owners of yearlings while giving investors the most informative way to purchase all of or part of a horse. The stable will cater to all budgets by having an open fractional buying market and a flat rate billing system. At the stable, we aim to minimize the risk in buying and maximize the benefit of selling. Visit thestable.ca or give Anthony McDonald a call at 519-400-4263. That's 519-400-4263. It's thestable.ca. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is an industry support group focused on promoting harness racing in Maryland. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads works hand-in-hand with charities involving children and horses, such as the Harness Horse Youth Foundation. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is actively involved with organizations such as the Maryland Horse Council and the Maryland Horse Industry Board, 
working together to promote the horse industry in Maryland. Follow Friends of Maryland Standard Breads on Twitter and like them on Facebook. Hey, I'm Chantel Sutherland Cruz and want to tell you all about BetAmerica.com. It's the coolest place to bet on horse racing on over 200 racetracks from America and around the world. New players receive a 100% bonus on your first deposit, up to $300. That's the best sign-up bonus available today. It's time to play the Bet America way. Ah, yeah, good stuff. Good country. Who does this song? Our good friend, uh, Luke Bryan. Our good friend? He, he's not my yeah. good friend. I, don't, if he, I hope he's your good friend. Have you ever – you saw Luke Bryan at concert, haven't you? I, I have. Uh, I've seen Luke Bryan a, a couple of times, actually. Welcome to Fresh right. Well, we're hey, back. Hey, Mike, I'm switch, yes, I'm gonna, sir. hey Mike, I'm going to let you know I'm going to switch to my computer, okay? <laughs> good luck. Of course, for those of you that don't know, Mike Carter's in uh, Virginia in the hills somewhere, and he's going to uh, try to uh, let, let's see let, let's see if we can get him. Mike, are you are you there? I'm good. I'm good. Oh, oh my god! Look at it, crystal clear from the mountains of Virginia. <laughs> you sound fantastic, my friend. Thanks, brother. All right, let's uh, let's bring in Garnett Barnesdale. Uh, Garnett, doesn't Mike sound fantastic from the crystal the crystal clear hills of Virginia? That beautiful. Fresh, clean air. Okay. <laughs> sure. He's out. It, 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 it's, a, it, it's a long story. Some of the stuff we have to go through, Mike, to, to get this show going, I'm telling you, especially now when we're in all these different locations. But uh, it's good to have Mike Carter uh, fresh with us. And uh, on the, on the, uh, You're on the blue, right? The blue mic, Mike? No, he just had the mute, so he must be. Maybe he's gone. Yeah, he might be. Garnett, welcome to the program, my friend. Listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us. Garnett Barnsdale, DRF contributor, uh, as well as uh, a Canadian handicapping expert. As a matter of fact, you can catch uh, his picks a lot on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, puts uh, the pick fours up there a lot. And uh, Garnett, I got to tell you, you've had some uh, nice pick fours uh, over the last month or so. You've done a fantastic job up there. Yeah, thanks. I got hot there for a while. Uh, it's a it's a pretty long meet. You go through a little bit of uh, you go through some dry spells, but I guess if you hit enough tickets and stay ahead at the at the end, it's that's the name of the game, right? Yeah, certainly. And uh, my Mike, I knew you wouldn't last long on that internet connection. I just saw him dialing back in on the phone. And uh, Mike, you there? <laughs> yeah, uh, we're we're good to go. I've got the program and everything, but it it wasn't holding the studio up. So, uh, Garnett, this is our. Uh, I got I got to say real quick, Garnett, this is our favorite part of the show. It's where we go around the horn with all of the stakes uh, stakes action. So we're really glad to have you helping us out with this. Anytime, man. I'm happy to be here. Well, listen, we, uh, Mike, we were talking a little bit about what the races we should cover and go over, but I mentioned the Garnett. I think we should probably go through them all because you've got a pick five and all, a lot of the overnight races uh, right are, are encompassed right in those pick fives and pick fours. So uh, I just kind of figured that it'd be a pretty good idea to, to go through them all. In the first race, we'll start right from race number one. Garnett, you've got a $30,000 guaranteed pick five. 
uh, in the you start of a 20 cent pick three, the pick threes roll on at long. So do the superfectas and all the other wages uh, that you have. But uh, you've got a field of eight here, Garnett, and who uh, stuck out with you in the first race on Saturday at Mohawk? You know what? I think this is a race you got to spread. I got a couple of singles uh, that we can talk about as we get to them, but. This race looks really competitive. It's, it's a race I think you really need to store leans or Duke Dorleon, I guess they call him. Um, this horse was, from the 10 hole last week, was Jingra uh, driving for the first time. He left hard and managed to get a spot in fourth. There's a, there's a couple of really quick levers in that in that race. And the leader, uh, Nirvana Sealster, just won a crazy mile, uh, you know, basically at full throttle the whole way. And uh, Duke Dorleon was first up in a 55-2 and two middle half, which you don't see very often, and he kind of backed up. I think things are a little bit more in his favor uh, this time, but then you also have the three-horse American Virgin. Last time he dropped down into this uh, kind of company, he, uh, he, he won in uh, 149-3 and three with a 26-3 last quarter. And the other two horses I think you got to use are Was Up, Was Up, who will probably sit a – a Randy Waples following trip, which he quite often does uh, stay glued to the rail. This horse would probably be third or fourth on the rail. And if, there's, if the Red Sea parts in the stretch, he could win it. And another one, uh, another one I think that's got a shot is that uh, five Jin Shark, who's been racing uh, very sharply. And, you know, you can make a case for some other ones, but I really think you got a spread here. For me, I'm using the two, three, four, and five. Garnett race two is the $105,000 Ontario, Ontario Sire Stakes goal for three-year-old Colt and Gelding Pacers. And Garnett, it's a field of six, but it looks like a pretty competitive field of six. One horse I recognize from in here is Sintra. Sintra raced in the Carl Milstein at Northfield and kind of tired late the mile against betting line. Uh, how do you see this race looking? I think Sintra really sticks out here, uh, Mike, actually. Uh, he had a really good time there last week in the same mile that I was just talking about that went, uh, you know, 53 to the half, 120 to the three quarters, and 148 and three. And uh, he actually picked up a couple positions, that, you know, from the three quarters to the stretch call. For me, that's the perfect tightener. I think he kind of lays over these uh, horses. Three times in a row he faced betting line, was second twice. Um, you know, previous to that, the last time he hasn't faced betting line are these older horses that he raced against last week. He was a, an easy winner at 150 flat in the final of the summertime series. I'm going to take a shot with singling Sintra here. I think he's going to be the chalk, but, you know, you got to take a stand somewhere if you're going to spread in other legs. Yeah, certainly. Uh, here we come up to the third, and uh, I don't know. Is there a stand to take here? I guess there probably is with uh, betting line, but uh, that's a pretty obvious choice. Garnett is there, and I asked Ken. Uh, he didn't seem to think there was. Is there anybody in this Ontario Sire Stakes Gold event for a purse of $105,000 that uh, even has a prayer of uh, upsetting betting line here? I'm going to say no. Um, the only one I could see, you know, if something went awry, like betting line broke stride or something, I mean, I guess it's always possible. So the horse I could see then maybe would be Magnum J, who last time out finished a really good third to him, actually, in the Milstein at Northfield. But uh, betting line, you know, he's he stamped himself as the top three-year-old on the continent, and these are not the kind of horses that, you know, really should give him any kind of a challenge, I don't think. Mike? Oh, maybe we lost Mike. I forgot to hit the unmute button. I forgot to no, hit the unmute button. No, that's all right. Jeez, no, that's okay. All right, Garnett. Ahead, the She's a Great Lady final is race for it. The $427,000 person. Agent Q uh, put in a very strong effort last week, but Idyllic Beach uh, kind of jumps off the page. He's come home in 27 seconds last week. Uh, this is, looks like a pretty competitive field, uh, 
behind those two, of course, you have candlelight dinner, and that's my ticket. Where do you see this race going? I really, I really narrow it down to those two. Actually, I like it. I, I do like Beach the best. Um, she was pretty impressive last week, starting from the eight hole. She went a pretty long trip. I know she did take Agent Q's cover for a bit, but she lost it turning for home, and she just uh, powered up to win the race. And to me, from the from the uh, you know from watching each one of these um, elimination races, I know that's the ticket kind kind of came out of nowhere to win her elimination. But really, I mean, these two horses were you know almost a full second faster than everyone everyone else, and that. Uh, Candlelight dinner at, at one to nine um, hadn't lost a race going into last week. Something obviously went wrong because she pretty much stopped to a walk in the stretch. But you got to think like even if she's back to normal, she still needs to find a second somewhere to, to challenge these two. So I like Adelic Beach the best. I think I might single her on a ticket and then uh, on a smaller ticket use Agent Q. But I feel pretty confident just narrowing it down to those two. Race number five, Garnett is the Metro Consolation, uh, fifty thousand dollars purse field of nine and. And uh, didn't have a, a chance to see the race, but it doesn't, uh, just by the line, uh, it doesn't look like number two, Southwind General, who was 3-1 to one in the morning line, ha- had all that great of a trip. It looks like from the line, and we'll rely on your expertise, but it looks like from the line was shuffled, and then something happened where the horse went inside the pylons. Uh, what happened in that race? He was really loaded in the stretch looking for room. But uh, he kind of went inside the pylons on his own, and then when he came back out, he caused some interference. Uh, one of the horses I think that was interfered with was the nine horse in here, RJP. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, when he uh, when he straightened him back out, inside or outside the pylons, he was really flying at the, at the end of the race. So uh, I think he's definitely one you have to consider here. But there's there's some other ones I like as well. And the first one is uh, number three, Max Jackpot. I, I kind of liked him last week. He never really got involved in the race. I think the race was just simply too fast for him. Um, but the week before, when he won uh, the Nesigawea by nose, he was really impressive to me in that his cover stopped on the far turn. You see, he, he kind of gapped out. He was four and a half lengths back at the stretch call, and he really flew uh, that last sixteenth of a mile to get up, so I think this race plays a lot better, uh, a lot better in his favor the way it might go. And a couple other ones to consider: the one horse. Take a look at him. Beach House from the nine hole was parked every step against Ocean Colony and an Ideal Wheel in his elimination. Never really got into the race, but you got to think moving inside from the nine to the one hole and facing weaker that he he should be a factor. And the fourth horse I'm going to use in my pick five and pick four is the nine horse RJP, who uh, he he definitely had some late pace as well last week. Uh, he finished ahead of Southwind General. Um, sorry, he finished just behind him, but was placed ahead of him. But he was uh, he had some interference issues in that race, and I think he uh, provides a price. You got to throw some prices in when you're using uh, a lot of chocks uh, singles. So I use one, two, three, nine in that race. There you are, Mike. Go that race six. Garnett Race 6 is a $215,000 Simcoe for three-year-old fillies, and it features the return of Pure Country, who ha- had some tough trips uh, there, Garnett, up against the boys, uh, went up against the boys in the cane, really raced well in the middle school uh, to finish second to betting line, and then didn't really show up much in the Valley Forge. Uh, it's now coming in off the layoffs. It also features Darwin on the Beach, who, Garnett, I, I want to talk to you a little bit about Darwin on the Beach. She's coming back from that AFib uh, incident, um, do you think that she's probably got one of the better chances in here from the inside? Yeah, I like her. I picked her on top. I think uh, just off her last couple of starts where, you know, she's led to the three quarters and 121 and a piece in every one of those races and won them. I think uh, Dave Miller's going to probably drive her very aggressively. The I used uh, Pure Country as sort of a backup to my pick four. You, you know, if you look at 
that race last uh, last time where she lost to Darlin' on the beach. She's parked every step from the nine hole and still managed to come on to finish fourth. So you got to figure she's going to get a better trip here. Uh, I'm playing against L.A. Delight a little bit here. I know she's coming off a, a 149-1 lifetime mark. That was off a really good trip. I think, uh, you know, I think post and trip are probably going to work against her here. So I'm kind of standing with the, the one and two and, and taking a stand against her a little bit. All right, race number seven, a little bit uh, wide open, I think, this Metro final. You've got a good field of 10, and the morning line favorite is number four, Ocean Colony, coming off of two straight wins. Uh, Yannick Jingra drives the source for the second straight time after showing speed, sitting pocket, and then getting up uh, in 27-1. and one. Your thoughts uh, on the Metro final, Garnett? I really don't think it's that wide open at all. I narrow it down to Ocean Colony, an ideal wheel. I think um, their elimination was by far the most impressive to me. And uh, you know what, uh, Ocean Colony, uh, he was going by Ideal Wheel. It looked as though he was going by rather easily, and uh, Yannick Singra had to ask him a little bit with the whip at, nearing the wire. Ideal Wheel raced huge considering, uh, you know, he, he was coming off a bit of a lackluster race in the Nessica way. Maybe that was a bit of a prep. But uh, to me, their their elimination was, was much the best. Um, I'm probably going to use only those two. The other one I might consider would be the One Horse Beyond the Light who had a uh, you know very impressive stretch drive but i think that was against a weaker a weaker group so for me i'm just going to use ocean colony and ideal wheel there i think they kind of stand out Garnett, the eighth race is the Senko for three-year-old open trotters, and it goes for a purse of $104,000. And interesting to see Weightlifter K uh, scanning the Yonkers trot and coming to Mohawk to face this group. They also have Muscle Hustle, who gets a good draw towards the inside. And, of course, Sutton is here as well, also skipping the Yonkers trot. Uh, do you think this race is as wide open as the morning line says, or is it just down to a couple of horses? I think it's fairly wide open. I, I mean, I'm using those three, and I'm also throwing in Rain and uh, Rain and Moni, the uh, the one horse. Um, she, uh, sorry, he um, he shows he's had enough speed in a couple of his starts to get the job done. You got Jingra and Tactor, so I think there's a you know there's something to consider there. But for me, I think um, I kind of like something the best. Um, you know, he was only a neck behind in the handball final and then raced very well from the seven hole, actually, to be only fourth. But I think that was still a pretty good trip he put in at Pocono. But for me, yeah, I think it's a little bit wide open. It'll depend on trip a little bit. So I used Rain and Money, Muscle Hustle, Sun, and Weightlifter, K, all four of those. All right, race nine is an overnight event. It's uh, for mid-level condition paces, known as the 13,000 last five. Uh, and uh, the morning line favorite is Moon Rider, a horse that's uh, getting David Miller in the bike uh, after a pretty decent close last time, uh, finishing fifth in a class higher, drops a little bit. Uh, what are your thoughts on this one? I picked Moon Rider on top, but he's a little bit wind shy. I mean, I, I, for, for the reasons that you just noted, like he drops in class back to a class where he does well, he picks up Miller. But I use three other horses. I use Buddha Blue Chip, who gets Jingra uh, here, um, races a little bit of easier class in the two wins that he had in uh, July at the end of July and August, he made some really eye catching moves and he hasn't really got very good trips since then. So I think you got to consider him. I'm also using Vegas rocks is in top shape. He comes off two very impressive races and moves up in class, which will probably bring a price and the nine horse, you know, shadow place uh, made a big move last time led to the three quarters in one twenty one and three. So basically he won a 26 and three third quarter and then was overtaken late by a class horse at Tracer Hanover. So I went five, six, eight, and nine, but I did pick Moonrider on top. 
Garnett Race 10 is the big race of the night. It's the Canadian Pacing Derby for three-year-old and older pacers for $616,000. And, of course, it features the Wiggle It, Jiggle It versus Shambhala versus Always Be Nikki. But Garnett, one horse that's kind of jumped off the page ever since the Molson pace a little bit is Even in a Pleasure. And, uh, you know, he draws post-10 tonight on the outside, and it's obviously going to be tough to beat the uh, big three. But, you know, I think – I mean, do you think 15-1 to 1 may be a little high on even a pleasure? I think it would be about 40-1, to 1, yeah. But I've, for me, he's hard to like from the 10 hole. I mean, he's he, you got to get him out in the top three to have a shot. And I, I, really, I don't know, man. It's, it, he's kind of hard for me to like from the 10 hole. Mike was hoping to get five or six to one on this horse. Actually, he was talking about the show odds, Garnett. That's what he was talking about. Yeah, I was trying to get my show bet in. Oh, okay. (laughs) You might get five or six to one to show. Is that what he said, five or six to one? No, well, he was hoping to get 15 to one, but if he gets 40 to one, hey, Mike, that might be worth your couple bucks, my friend. It might be worth a couple bucks to show. You know what I mean? I think you'll get Guys, let's talk a little bit about this race uh and the first thing i want to say about this race uh and garnet i want to get your uh opinion on this is uh you see the second place finish last time wiggle it jiggle it rock and ron was able to get the job done backing down the tempo to the half and this was at three rivers and uh wiggle first of all let's set the scenario because it was a sloppy track the rain was falling uh rock and ron it was a very good drive by yannick jingo was able to back down the pace montrell tips at the half they battle for a little bit and rock and ron was able to uh, hang in there and to kind of put him away that final turn. How much do you, emphasis, Garnett, when you're handicapping a race like this, do you put on that last race by Wiggle It, Jiggle It with the conditions and all? Not much. I think you can kind of put a line through it. I actually bet Rock and Ron in that race at 15 to 1. I figured it was worth I figured what did happen kind of could have, I, I guess you could say, uh, could happen prior to the race. But um, I kind of put a line through that one. I mean, it, it basically turned into a two-horse sprint. Uh, maybe didn't like the off track. You know, the 57 half absolutely helped. Uh, absolutely helped the winner. But yeah, I, I don't put a lot of stock in that particular race. But you know, one thing I want to say is a horse that I don't think is getting the respect he deserves right now is Shambala. I think he's he's kind of caught up to these horses a little bit. And if you look at if you look at the uh, Dan Patch, he really had no shot when they when they hit the half in 54 and four. Yet he still came home, managed to come home in 52 and two. And, uh, you know, in the uh, in the U.S. Pacing Derby, I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but he paced his last three quarters, I believe, in something like 118 and three, which is wow. almost unheard of. So I think he's really uh, he's really turned up his game to the point where, yeah, he still needs a little bit of a trip to beat these horses. I think they're still a little bit better than him. But, you know, if he's going to be the third choice and if he's going to be somewhere around four or five to one, he's probably worth a bet. Yeah, driver uh, Rick Zeron just picked up a milestone uh, about a week ago, and I think his son Scott's nearing 3,000 wins too, if I'm not mistaken. So that'd be kind of cool if they get the the milestone within a couple of weeks of each other. But uh, always be Mickey. Now from the outside, uh, he's tasted defeat the last couple of starts. Uh, Garnett, is this horse starting to come back to him a little bit? There might be a bit of a chink in his armor, I think. now he's missed, uh, he hasn't raced since August 12th, so he's missed almost a month, you know, three weeks again, uh, similar to uh, what what he did in the U.S. Pacing Derby. I mean, he he looked almost unbeatable earlier in the year. I think uh, I think you guys would probably agree with that. Maybe he's maybe he's getting a little worn down. I don't know. I mean, is it, would it surprise anybody if he went out there and paced tomorrow in 47 and won? Absolutely not. But uh, if he's a short price, I, I'll take a shot against him right now, the, considering uh, the last couple starts. 
So, Garnett, we're staying with one, four, eight in this race. We're going to stay with the big three. That's what I got. Yep. Mike, you got anything else besides uh, hoping to get the 15 to one on even of pleasure? <laughs> Listen, I'm putting even in the pleasure on my ticket. I don't care what anybody says. I think even in the pleasure at least had a shot to hit the ticket, especially if always be Mickey flops. I mean, two races, two races back in the U.S. Pacing Championship, he just kind of died off, and Delta Winner snuck in there, big odds. So, you know, I, I'm going to throw even in the pleasure on the back end of the ticket and hope for the best. Mike, I'll tell you what. I'll make you a deal. If Even in the Pleasure wins this race, I will put together all of our bumper music coming back from break next week. We'll have one of your race calls on it. Is that a deal? <laughs> okay. Sounds like a good plan. Right. If, he wins, if, he, if he wins, you should put one of my race calls on if he wins. <laughs> there you go. Well, you, well, you want I'll people you to what, come back he, next week and listen. Listen, if he wins, Mr. Mike Carter is going to be buying dinner for everybody. I know, Garnett, you talked about that buffet. Mike will be buying if that horse wins, believe me. Nobody's paying for any food for the next couple of weeks. Race 11 uh, is uh, the uh, uh, Simcoe uh, for three-year-old Toronto's uh, a field event. And a uh, uh, pretty decent race. I mean, you've got uh, Blindham from the inside. You've got Milligan School from the outside, a horse that uh, I like quite a bit. Kind of a rail trip last time in the Colonial. I don't think never really got going. But uh, what are your thoughts on this one, Garnett? This is the race where I actually singled in the late pick four. I singled Milligan School. I think uh, he kind of sticks out here. I think he should, you know, he should get an aggressive drive. He's he's raced against the best all year. He hasn't fared poorly at all. I mean, he's you know second in his Hamble elimination, and then uh, he drew an outside post. Still managed to trot a mile and 52 in a, in a bit with 27 last quarter, even though he didn't get a check. I just think uh, class on class and uh, and speed, he lays over these horses. And if you're going to single somewhere for me, this is the place to go. And by the way, Mike, I know you want to uh, interview, introduce race 12, and we'll let you do that in a second. But real quick, we had Jimmy Tactor on this show. It was the very first time we had him on the show. It was early in the year. And when we were asking him uh, about his roster of horses, one of the horses that he kept talking about was Jimmy William. And I know this is a horse that did obviously did, did uh, really didn't blossom over the summer months. But maybe that last start at the Meadows uh, in that 28-4 close in that win Maybe that's the start of something for that horse. Five to one on the board, second time Yannick Shingra. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, you know, it could be a little bit of a factor. I don't know what kind of odds you're going to get. I think the public will be a little bit uh, confused on uh, how they should take that horse, guys. Yeah, and the first thing that jumps out at you is Jingra is one for one driving him, right? That is correct. All yeah, right, Mr. Evening of Pleasure, definitely. go ahead and talk about race 12. Yeah, it is a Mr. Evening of Pleasure. Here we go. Race number 12 is up next. It's a five-year-old and a younger condition pace for a person $20,000. And Garnett, this is a, uh, a pretty strong field. You've got Easy Lover, Hanover, Lion Snyder, uh, who was, uh, didn't get the best trip in the Adios final last time out, uh, is back and drawn post two. Major Hill drew very well to the inside. Um, of course, you have beast mode on the outside. A horse is coming in out of the New York Sire Stakes. Uh, what do you think about this field here? I, I looked at the race this way. I think Lion Snyder is obviously uh, probably much the best horse, but he hasn't run, raced since July 30th. And I can't single a horse that's been off over a month. I never do. Most of them lose. I'm not saying he will, but at, at probably somewhere in the neighborhood of one to two, I think you gotta, you'd be kind of crazy to single this horse. So, the two horses that I think can beat him is the uh, one Major Hill, who was very excellent last week, putting out of the pocket with a. He won very easily. J- uh, Jameson was basically sitting still during a 26 and three last quarter, and Poisonous, who's really been on a big roll here, uh, 
the last month. He's actually won four of his last six races, but was placed uh, placed in one of them. He caused a little bit of interference, uh, bowling his way out of the pocket. But he was really impressive in his last two starts. He's getting much better. So for me, I use I would use the uh, one, two, and one, two, and five here in uh, any kind of an exotic play, pick three or anything like that, and hope to beat Lion Snyder, who you know he might be rusty being off that lot. Who knows? All right, Garnett, the 13th and final. And uh, listen, after Evening of Pleasure wins by five, and Mike Carter's going to have a boatload of money. He's going to uh, have plenty of options here for the jackpot high five, but he's going to have to rely on you because I know he has no prayer of getting two in a row. But uh, <laughs> you got a good field. <laughs> set. I think Mike's, Mike's starting to get mad at me. Mike, I better stop. 13th no, race, no, not uh, at all. <laughs> Field of 10, this is uh, obviously they saved the wide open races for the for the big jackpot high five, which uh, is obviously a, a pretty fun bet. But Garnett, you do have to get a little lucky, especially on the back end. What are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, man, this 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 is a tough, tough race. Um, I, I went with Dalamara on top. I liked, the, I liked his races uh, on the East Coast on the Cup and Saucer. Um, but, you know, you know, coming back here, he's dropping back into a class where he's very competitive before he left, but there's a number of other horses you can use. One horse that I find really interesting that I liked last week that almost won is number six, Hidden Potential, who was coming in from Grand River. But that that trainer, Larry Small, um, switching to James McDonald is a, a monstrous, uh, monstrous driver change. Larry, Larry's been around for a long time, but he just doesn't win very often. So, you know, I think he's very usable based on that. Um, the eight horse Liz Vinny is 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 very erratic. Um, this horse uh, two starts back when James McDonald was driving drifted out three or four lengths down the backstretch, would cost him a number of placings. But you'll notice Houdon drives him very well. Uh, Houdon just kind of floats out, and uh, you know he, he'll park the mile three. He'll park the horse three quarters of the mile, and then pull the plugs just before the three quarters, and somehow he just keeps going for him. So he's a horse you got to consider there. Um, you know, there's a, there's a few others you could use. The the five, the two horse Mr. Carrots. If you're betting a a high five, is is almost I would say almost guaranteed to hit the board from the two hole off the following trip. There's a, there's really a lot of ways you can go here. I'm hoping uh, I'm hoping I'm not losing money going into this race trying to recoup for the night because that would this looks like the toughest race of the night to me. Garnett Barnsdale, uh, one of the great handicappers uh, up north of the border, and uh, you can follow Garnett on Twitter. At, and I know I always get these Twitter things wrong, so I'm going to let you say where everybody can follow you on Twitter and uh, Facebook. Yeah, on Twitter, my uh, handle's at GoCashKing. At Facebook, you just find me, I guess. And uh, my picks are at, on uh, DRF Harness every day on the, uh, on, on the homepage of the uh, Harness section of the Daily Racing Farm website. All right. Listen, we really appreciate you joining us, my friend. Best of luck to you. It's a big card Saturday, uh, and I know you're gonna, you are going to put your pick four selections and uh, your pick five and other things up on your Twitter, right? Absolutely, yep. Okay, we'll make sure to share them. Garnett, we certainly appreciate you taking time, my friend. Guys, anytime. All right, that was uh, Garnett uh, Barnsdale. And uh, a DRF contributor, does a lot of uh, handicap and very good uh, Canadian handicapper, watches all these races uh, up from uh, places like uh, Mohawk. And, of course, Woodbine does a fantastic job. And, and uh, Mike, I think we got a lot of good information out there. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can make some money come Saturday. Yeah, let's make some money. And uh, hopefully even in a pleasure, proves everybody wrong. Yeah, Mike, let's uh do you still have your program up cuz I do uh while we're here we might as well talk about the uh there's a couple of big races coming up at Yonkers 
And uh, you know, we, we should certainly uh, talk about those because uh, it's a, a great yeah. card. Mike, you you, uh, you ready to rock and roll on that? Yeah, let's uh, let's start with uh, the preferred uh, the preferred trot. It's the second race on the card at the purse of thirty five thousand dollars. And Mike, this is a no slouch field. You have Crimson Fashion Fashion Creditor uh, Drew Post five, and you also have a horse in here by the name of Somebody AS. Somebody AS has been racing well against open level trotters, but Mike, I think this race goes to Crescent Fashion at the inside. Yeah, Crescent Fashion certainly looks good from the rail. Driver Scott Zeron uh, obviously was uh, in tough against the likes of Abrogado and Resolve last time in the Crawford Farms trot at Vernon. Uh, was an easy winner, three lengths back, uh, three lengths uh, ahead, uh, two starts back in 56 and four is a very heavy favorite. Draws inside, so I certainly think that is the horse to beat there. So we're going to agree. We're obviously might uh gonna have to take a short price there but uh that's okay i guess we'll just have to settle for it race eight is the yonkers trot on saturday night uh obviously a great field of eight uh, it is the second leg of the trotting triple crown and it's led by marion marauder who is uh the one-to-one morning line favorite uh winning that uh, yonkers elimination easy a good second place finish to southland frank after uh, a tough first over trip in the colonial uh, there's our good friend Iron Mind Bucky from the inside. What a great story this horse is coming from the small stable, the Iron Mind branch, and the uh, Gret Haverstick, uh, George Dennis. Uh, I'll tell you what, he's going to have a good opportunity from the rail to pull off the upside there. Yeah, Mike, Mike I got to think that Iron Mind Bucky is going to at least hit the ticket. I'm going to use Iron Mind Bucky in my super effective ticket because you got to think, you got to create some value somewhere. But Marion Marauder is going to lead the charge into this race. I think Marion Marauder is going to be very tough to beat, and it's going to be on the Kentucky for Paula Wellwood and driver Scott Zero. Certainly. In race nine, the $500,000 Messenger Stake final, and here we go. Racing Hill uh, finished uh, second to the Monster Betting Line, who stayed up to in Canada. will be uh, racing on that big card coming up on Saturday. But here's Racing Hill for driver Brett Miller and trainer Tony Alanya. Uh, and uh, I'll tell you what, perhaps uh, it's like a, uh, the uh, – What's the uh, the old saying? The immovable object versus the irresistible force coming up uh, in a couple right. of weeks in uh, Toledo, Ohio. But here's Racing Hill, and uh, I look for a big effort from him uh, Saturday night, Mike. Yeah, you know, Racing Hill, uh, I'm expecting to put in a very big effort in this race. But another horse, Mike, that I'm looking at is the sixth, another daily copy. Driver Corey Callahan and trainer Nicholas DeVita comes in. Corey Callahan drove this horse in the battle of the branding line against Racing Hill and betting line. It didn't really have all the best of luck. Uh, you know, just never really got moving. Um, and hasn't uh, he's only won two races this season, but I feel like another daily copy has the ability to keep up with these horses. The other horse I like in here, Mike, is Dr. J. Hanover, who raced in the Battle Constellation and won by a length um, last time out. I guess the, he was in the Constellation. Doesn't look like that he was in the. I'm not sure how he didn't make the final. Did they have eliminations? I don't think they did. I think your internet's starting to go bad again, Mike. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you fine. You're perfect. What, why do you think my internet's going bad? Oh, I don't know, because every once in a while I just figured I'd say that, because it, you know I know where you're at, my friend. You're in Virginia. Yeah, well, anyways, Dr. J hit over. Uh, I think he's got a shot from Post 7 as well. What are you? What is so funny? No, I'm, just, I'm just having a good time. Yeah, you're just having a good time because I'm not going with the one-to-one betting choice, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And there's no show wagering in that race, by the way. 
Oh, well, then that takes all the fun out of it. Let's go with Racing Hell there. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, don't call me Francis, though, Mike, is a horse that uh, he, he draws the inside. He races the Milstein against uh, a loaded, loaded field, and he's back again. Uh, driver Joe Bongiorno gets him out there. But, you know, Racing Hill is probably going to be the horse to beat here. Mike, I'll tell you what. You've went out on the limb tonight. You've picked a couple of long shots and uh, coming up for Saturday night, and I'll tell you, if you have a good night, you're you're going to be buying for the week after because uh, I know uh, Garnett's uh, and I, you know, listen, we're a couple of hungry guys, so you better be prepared to buy dinner if some of these long shots come crossing the line first, my friend. Sounds good, brother. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure you'll be taking us to McDonald's and Burger King and at every other uh, cheap restaurant you could find, right? <laughs> Can you supersize them fries, please? It's their anniversary. No, 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 no. You'll be getting us the small. You'll, we'll be getting the small value meals. Uh, listen, we still have our good friend Darren Gagne to come. It's our Running Aces segment. He had a chance to sit down with the race secretary of uh, Running Aces, Nancy Burge, and they had a chance to dissect the Minnesota Sire Stakes. Uh, what a great program up there, Mike. I'll tell you, they've been building slowly and steadily. Uh, you know, throughout uh, the last couple of years, and uh, our friend Darren Gagne has done a tremendous job. I know you. I know you've seen the all the stuff on social media that he puts out, and and uh, just a great job by uh, Darren Gagne. So uh, we're going to hear from Darren at our Running Aces segment when we come back. You've got post time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Hello, this is Kayla Straw, and I'm here to tell you all about BetAmerica.com. It is the fastest-growing legal, safe, and secure website to place all your bets on horse racing. BetAmerica covers over 200 racetracks from North America, the UK, and my home country, Australia. New players to BetAmerica receive a 100% bonus on your first deposit up to $300. That's the best sign-up bonus available today. It's time to play the BetAmerica way. Here at The Stable, our mission is to provide fair market for owners of yearlings while giving investors the most informative way to purchase all of or part of a horse. The Stable will cater to all budgets by having an open fractional buying market and a flat rate billing system. At The Stable, we aim to minimize the risk in buying and maximize the benefit of selling. Visit thestable.ca or give Anthony McDonald a call at 519-400-4263. That's 519-400-4263. It's thestable.ca. Running Aces Casino and Racetrack is one of the premier harness racing facilities and card clubs in the Midwest. Located in beautiful Minnesota, just north of the Twin Cities, off I-35, and also available at simulcast outlets and ADWs across North America with live harness racing action May through September. For the full schedule and for more information, visit our website, runaces.com. Here are the highlights from the past week of racing action at Running Aces on Saturday, August 27th. Stucky Doe with driver Jim Marino in the bike was ultra sharp in winning the $8,500 Minnesota Sire three-year-old gelding pace. The new lifetime mark 154-2 for his fourth win in nine starts this year for owner-trainer Merlin Van Otterloo. 
in the $11,000 Open Handicap Trot on Saturday night. It went to Banker Volo, the track record holder, with trainer-driver Nick rolling in the bike for his ninth win in 12 starts this year. Banker Volo is owned by Dan and Geraldine Rowland. Also on Saturday, the $8,500 Minnesota Sire three-year-old Philly Pace went to American Dancer with Luke Plano on the bike, just out kicking Cruising Coco to the wire in a 155-3 thriller, the sixth lifetime win for American Dancer, owned by Timothy Lems and trained by Robert Lems. On Sunday, August 28th, Roland and Rock posted another impressive Aces win, this one in 151-3 with Nick rolling in the sulky to capture the $11,000 open handicap pace for horses and geldings. It was the 10th win of the season and 32nd lifetime win for Roland and Rock, owned by Duane and Connie Roland. Also Sunday, Bombshell Betty trotted to a new lifetime mark, 157-3 with Jim Marino driving in the $8,500 three-year-old Philly trot. It was the seventh win of the season for the Philly. She's owned by Jesse DeLong and Tabby Kinnar and trained by Justin Anfinson. Also on Sunday, the winning dollar returned to his winning ways by posting a 159-1 win from off the pace. Nick rolling in the sulky. Again, the owner, Jesse DeLong, and trainer, Justin Anfinson. And also on Sunday, Zachariah's Honor with Luke Plano driving picked up a new lifetime mark of 158 flat in taking the $6,000 two-year-old open pace for owners Royal and Barbara Rowland. Then on Tuesday, August 30th, the $11,000 Mayor's Open Pace was the big headlining race on the program, and it was a thrilling contest with a charging finish, and it was part-time lady with Dean McGee just out kicking the great Winsun T-Bird with Jim Marino down to the wire in 154. Part-time lady scored the victory by a half a length. Owned and trained, owned rather, by Ron and Tammy Wells, trained by Mooney Swenson. It was the seventh win of the season again for part-time lady with Dean McGee in the Mayor's Open on Tuesday. Then on Wednesday night, August 31st, in a $7,200 claiming condition pacing event, a four-year-old gelding Lil Orphan Elmer by Always a Virgin posted his second consecutive career mile in three days with a scintillating performance on Wednesday night in 153-3, the back half in 55-3, and, and last quarter in 27-4 to score by seven and three-quarter lengths in reign to trainer-driver Mooney Swenson for owners Scott Ehrlich and George McChrystal. Okay, Darren Gagne here at Running Aces, and today joining me is Nancy Birch, who is our racing secretary here at Running Aces, and uh, Nancy has been one of the hardest-working people here at Running Aces for many years uh, as the charter clerk of the course, program director, and assistant racing secretary, and this is her first year as the race secretary here, and I want to welcome Nancy to the program. Thank you, Darren. Now, Nancy, will you first to give us a little background about how you got started in harness racing? I know you're from Michigan, and you've uh, been in racing out there for many years. Tell us how you got started. Well, I started in the publicity department at Northville Downs in 1980 and did that for several years in 87, came into the racing aspect and worked as a program director clerk at various tracks around Michigan. In 2000, I became an interim race secretary at Northville Downs and then that was taken over for a couple years from someone else and then I returned back to it. And this is my first year here as race secretary after other capacities in the past. 
Well, I know you've been around this uh, game and the race office side of it and for many years. In fact, I know that when I went out to Michigan in the late 90s, uh, the second year I was there, um, Tammy Erskine was moving from being program director to becoming a steward, and she was kind enough to offer to train me to become a program director in addition to my new duties as an announcer. And uh, she told me that she learned from the best, and that was you, Nancy Burge. She uh, threw your name around a lot and said, Nancy says you have to do it this way. <laughs> so anyway, so we got uh, a little bit of history. So uh, here, let's talk about uh, your first season here running Aces this year. Listen, we've had a lot of successes here. Average purses are up. Overall purses for the whole season are up. Number of races that we've competed here this season are up well over last year. And we've had very competitive racing all season. Uh, blanket finishes uh, after blanket finish every night of racing action here. And the big thing is on-track handle is up double digits and export handle up double digits as well. So the people out there in the marketplace are responding to our better racing product. What are your thoughts about this uh, season here at Running Aces and looking forward to next season? Well, I have a wonderful group of horsemen to deal with, and they're very supportive, and we've worked very well together. And it's an open-door policy, so they've offered suggestions, and I've listened, and that's made a big big influence on the racing this year. It certainly has. As I said, great competitive racing. You guys are making me work harder and harder calling these races because we've got five, six, seven horses at the finish at the wire every time. So it's really good and great. It's great for us. It's great for the, for the sport, and it's great for running aces. So, Nancy, I'm going to ask you to help me break down the big night of champions that's coming up this Saturday night. It's our big uh, finals night here, final night of live racing. Uh, $251,000 in total purses. Um, again, we're going to crown all of the Minnesota State Champions this coming Saturday night. So let's get to it. First, we have a couple of non-wagering races early in the program. We have just uh, three two-year-old Philly Trotters going to post. Silent Dreams and I'm a Pixie at Midnight, those two have been dominating the uh, two-year-old trotting scene all season long. Those two will be knocking heads again, joined by It's Storm and Money in that first early race. Again, non-wagering on that one. And then the two-year-old Colt Trotting Division, Liquors Quicker is the one that stands out by far over the rest of the group there. And again, that will be the second non-wagering race on Saturday night, two-year-old Colt and Gelding Trot, both of those for $25,000. Now, let's get into the betting program. First big race on that program is going to be race number two, $25,000, Minnesota Sired Three-Year-Old Philly Championship. And a field of seven here. And Bombshell Betty has drawn post position number five uh, in this group off of a nice win last time out, lifetime mark 157 and three. I think she's going to be tough to deal with uh, here in race number two on the program. And then the number 1A, part of the entry, whatever she's got is my choice for second. What do you see here in this uh, first uh, championship for the three-year-old fillies in race two? I agree with your first two picks, but I believe Elmar Bonbon, if it's on game, should it show a possible upset? It's been a long shot and has two wins. She has won as a long shot two times already this season. Very good observation there. 12 to 1, and earlier in the season, 40 to 1. So she has upset in this division. So you're right. Almar Bonbon could definitely jump up at any time and uh, steal it. But I think Bombshell Betty looks the best on paper. Uh, whatever she's got has been racing good. Two wins in a second in the last three starts. But as you said, Almar Bonbon. A win, a second, and a third in the last three outings as well. 
Okay, so let's move on now to the next event. It's the third race. These are Minnesota Sire Preferred Horses, winners over $10,000 lifetime. And number seven, Roland and Rock, is coming in off of another very impressive performance last time out, 151 and 3. Uh, what do you think about Roland and Rock and, of course, holding all the cards? The open-level performer all season long is in there as well. That's going to be highly com competitive between those two because either one could take it. Right. Between those two, I think you, you're going to come up with your winner. The rest of the field, nice field of horses, but I, I have to say I think they're going to be battling for third in there. Uh, again, Roland and Rock and holding all the cards, headlining that winner's over $10,000 lifetime. In race three, they're going for 9000 on to the fourth race next, Minnesota Sire Championship three-year-old Colt and Gelding Trotters here. And the winning dollar uh, is the one that stands out to me. 14 lifetime wins out of 21 lifetime starts with four seconds. Um, I, I have to go with him on top here. What do you think about race four? Race four, I have to agree with the winning dollar. Mr. Jackpot, he's been racing relatively well this season. He has, not quite as well as last year where he really dominated, right? Right. He was the two-year-old Minnesota champion in 2015. Right. He set a track record last year, and he was 9 for 9 in the top three last year. Now he's 9, nine out of 13 in the top three this season, but only one in the win column. But again, he does have the talent to jump up and, and do it. As you say, he, he is a talented guy. Another one I looked at here was Big Red Rail. This one has five seconds, four-thirds on the season, so I think that the one to beat is the winning dollar. I like Mr. Jackpot. Uh, I also like Margin's Echo, um, another one that's been racing pretty good. Four wins, seven seconds, two-thirds this season for Margin's Echo. So I'm going with the winning dollar over Mr. Jackpot and Margin's Echo, and I also like Big Red Rail there. Okay, the next one up is race number five, $25,000 on the line again, two-year-old Colt and Gelding Pacers. And what do you think about this one, Nancy? Um, Dewey did gun, done good, has been racing outstanding. He yeah. has. I mean, five wins already uh, this season. And Steve's hot rod could pull a little surprise if he's back up to game. He started out very well and just kind of tapered off here in the last month. Well, he's been a little bit inconsistent maybe, right? Yeah. Um, part, those two are both trained by David Flynn, and he has another one in here, Okie Dokie. Uh, who has drawn the rail here and comes off of a nice effort last time out, finishing second, 57-2, and two, just a length behind. Dewey did done good. But, again, Dewey did done good on paper. Looks like he is definitely the horse to beat. We mentioned Steve's Hot Rod, uh, maybe as a possible upsetter. Okie dokie, another one. And then you have the entry uh, from the Roland Stable here, Zachariah's Honor, and Forgive Us Our Zins. Both talented. Zachariah's Honor took a lifetime mark last time out in 158. So you'll have to take a look at that one here as well. Next up is race number six, two-year-old Philly Pacers, Minnesota Sire Championship, $25,000 on the line. And what do you think about race number six? Race number six, definitely what it do, baby boo. Boy, has she been amazing. Five wins in a row coming into the championship here. What about her racing style? Oh, her, she doesn't quit. She comes from behind. And she just takes it easy in the first part of the mile, but once she gets going, she just goes right by the mile and just makes it look easy. 
She's uh, one of the most fun horses that I've had uh, watching racing this season is what it do, Baby Boo. But she just sits back early, and then she gets motoring, and she just passes everybody. Yeah, she is so, exciting. She is definitely exciting to watch. Uh, what it do, Baby Boo, looks like uh, definitely the dominating force here in race number six, two-year-old Philly pacing championship. Under that, I went with number five, Exqueeze Me, as my second choice over Freedom Bell, who has shown a lot of talent, and Turbo Girl here for the Phillies. On to race number seven, three-year-old Philly, Minnesota Tired Championship, $25,000 purse. Um, we got a couple of nice Phillies here. Who do you like? Look again, Etta. Look she's, again, Etta. She's just like what it do, baby boo. She has won three in a row, close finishes, all three of them the last three starts, but she has pulled out those wins and a new lifetime mark, 154 and four last time out. She's got uh, six wins, one second, two thirds, and ten starts this year. So she's been really, really sharp. There's some other very nice fillies in here, though. American Dancer is really nice. She has a win and a second in her last two starts. Fancy Little Girl has talent. Dag in My Stockings from the Rail, another filly that has talent. Three wins, three seconds, three thirds, and ten starts this year. So maybe wide open, but look again, Etta coming in with three wins in a row. She's looking to make it four in the championship. And finally, Nancy, race number eight is the three-year-old Colt and Gelding Minnesota Sire Championship for $25,000. And this has been a tough division all year long. Uh, what's your assessment here in race eight? Well, I'd have to say Cirex is my favorite going into this race. He's got eight wins and 13 starts this year. Eight wins and 13 starts and four second-place finishes until last time out. This horse had never finished worse than second in his career. He finished fourth last time out. Decent post-position draw for the final here. Stucky Dode has drawn the rail, who has won two races in a row and four out of his last six starts. He's the one that's really been sharp in the latter part of the season for these three-year-old Colton Gelding Pacers. But Xerox had a streak where he was just winning every time out. Um, another one that started out the season really, really good was Freedom Reigns. And... Uh, He's been racing a little bit better now once again. He just got beat last time out with three-quarters of a length. But I think Stucky Dote is the one that's been the sharpest right now. As you mentioned, Cirax is very talented. And then we have Freedom Reigns. And don't forget about Swagasaurus Rex. This one is another horse that has a lot of talent. So I think this race is very deep with talent. Stucky Dote, Cirax, Freedom Reigns, and Swagasaurus Rex in the eighth race, three-year-old Colt and Gelding Pace Championship on Saturday night. Well, there's a total of 11 betting races on the card on Saturday, and again, we have those two early races that are non-wagering. Very exciting day of racing action here coming up. Night of Champions this Saturday night. First race post time is at 6 p.m., and Nancy, I want to thank you for coming on the program and helping me break down uh, some of these big races. And Hey, I'm already looking forward to opening day in 2017. I don't know about you. I'm excited for it. I am, too. And I've just enjoyed your race calling. Well, thank you. Yeah. Listen, I think we're going to keep building a better product year after year after year here at Running Aces, and uh, I think the sky's the limit for us. Absolutely. Move forward. Thank you, Nancy. And we hope to have everybody tuning in for the Night of Champions here at Running Aces on Saturday. Thank you very much, Darren Gagne, our good friend, the track announcer at Running Aces uh, Racetrack, at Casino and Racetrack. They do such a fantastic job up there, Darren. 
Uh, it does uh, a lot of great work on social media, a fantastic race caller, and they've got their uh, big races coming up this weekend, the Minnesota Sire Stakes. Make sure you check them out uh, at uh, Running Aces Casino and Racetrack. Before we let everybody go, and we certainly appreciate uh, everybody joining us uh, as we wrap things up here on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. But uh, a pretty big day of racing coming up on Sunday at Ocean Downs. Our good friends, uh, friends of Maryland Stand of Breads and Clarissa Kaufman, they're doing a fundraiser for the Braveheart program. Uh, they'll have uh, some special guests. Uh, it'll be a great thing. Also, um, they're going to uh, honor a horse that uh, I had a chance to uh, watch race uh, quite a bit, Winfield Scamp, uh, with a retirement presentation. Uh, it's going to be a ceremony Sunday night at the Ocean Downs. Uh, it'll be after the second race. Uh, Winfield Scamp's a 14-year-old pacer. And uh, even though he doesn't reach the mandatory retirement age of 15 until uh, the 1st of January, owner Pam Polk, great people of Berlin, uh, they opted to end the Pacers' career at the same place it started, at beautiful Ocean Downs. Winfield Scamp, who's out of Run the Table and Hopeland Scamp, began his training at Ocean Downs all the way back in 2003 and won his first race there in 2004. Man, that was... uh, Back in my first year at Hazel Park. But he went on to win, uh, or went on to race in Canada as a two and three year old, uh, pacing multiple times in the grassroots division of the Ontario Sires Thinks and winning a leg of the Apaches Fame Series at Woodbine Racetrack. He returned to Maryland in 2005 and has raced at Ocean Downs every season it's been open since. In 2014, uh, also began a breeding career. Uh, Winfield Scamp retires with 44 wins and nearly 300 lifetime starts, certainly an iron horse. Uh, and uh, has a lifetime mark of 151 and one, taken at uh, Colonial Downs, and has career earnings of more than 319 thousand dollars. So congratulations to Pam Polk, Winfield Scamp, on just uh, an outstanding and tremendous career, and uh, they'll be honoring that fine horse coming up on Sunday at uh, Ocean Downs. Well, we've had a fantastic show, and we certainly appreciate everybody joining us. Special guests. A special thanks, rather, to all of our guests, uh, which include uh, track announcer at Woodbine and Mohawk, Ken Middleton, also uh, Rick Kane, the race secretary at Pocono, uh, going through some uh, s- uh, some memories at uh, Rockingham Park, which closed its doors on Wednesday. Uh, also, Jackie Ingracia, fantastic driver. She plies a trade uh, around my neck of the woods in Pennsylvania. Uh, good to talk to her. And, of course, Garnett Barnsdale, DRF contributor, uh, going through the Saturday program at Mohawk, as well as uh, our good friend Darren Gani up at Running Aces, having a chance to sit down and talk to Nancy Bird. Special thanks to all uh, of the fine folks that make this show possible, including all of our sponsors. Please support them. Uh, it is uh, very important that you support our sponsors, because if it wasn't for them, we certainly wouldn't be here. Uh, so real quick, before we let you go, we do have a spoiler alert next Thursday on this program, we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, the history of Rockingham Park with a guy that has been there for a long, long time, their track announcer, uh, John Vitale, who also wears uh, a lot of hats, did a lot of different things, was there, uh, I believe, for 30-plus years, if my memory serves me correctly. So we'll talk to John about some of the memories uh, at Rockingham Park that's coming up next week on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. So until then, on behalf of my co-host Mike Carter, it's Mike Bozich. Join us next week, post time, seven. Night, everybody.